This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You know something? You know something? If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 64 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right, and we try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. Every four years, we choose a president, but before we do that, we must choose the nominees, but before that, we have to waste everybody's time pretending to give a shit about what the people of Iowa think. All right, before I do the drama, Let's take a quick look at the anticlimactic beginning of the nomination season. Iowa comes first. They have a caucus, not a primary. But how does the caucus work? Well, the two parties will do it differently. The Democrats mostly won't do anything. They have no voting for candidates going on at all. I'll get to why in a moment. But at the risk of ruining the surprise, they won't vote because they don't want to waste their time and act stupid like they did four years ago. The Republicans will meet in the evening on Monday at locations throughout the state and write down the name of the presidential candidate they want on a piece of paper and put it in a box and go home. No absentee voting except for people in the military and no machines. In most cases, not even any ballots, just scraps of paper. If you see the irony in the party of conspiracy theories about stolen elections and about boxes of ballots, now running a contest that can actually be stolen with a bunch of steno pads and shoeboxes, well, you're not alone. Since the caucuses are in the evening and not all day, they're run like a student government election. It will probably not attract throngs of people, but a throng in Iowa is about seven anyway. It's a Republican Party affair and not run by the state like a normal primary might be, but no one cares about those technicalities because so little is at stake. Only 40 convention delegates will be given out on Monday. That's 1.6% of the total. And the good thing about how the Republicans are doing it is that very little math is necessary. Candidates get the same proportion of delegates they do of the vote. So if someone wins 100% of the vote, they are a dramatic 1.6% ahead of the field. So who will get that amazing windfall? Well, the prediction markets say there's a 91% chance that Donald Trump wins. The polling as of today shows the average of the polls has Trump with 50%. Ron DeSantis with 18.4%, Nikki Haley with 15.7%. Polls have been remarkably stable and reflect a surge by the former president that started in the summer when Trump reached the lowest point that he had of only about 38% of the vote. So that's a lot of numbers to say Trump will win it and the net effect will be virtually zero. If he gets half the votes and wins in a landslide, 
He gets 20 convention delegates out of, wait for it, 2,500. But you may be saying, Anthony, sure, it's only a tiny number of delegates, but won't we learn something about the rest of the campaign from the outcome in Iowa? Isn't it a harbinger? Well, no. It may lead some candidates to drop out, but who cares about that? If you're at 5% of the polls, isn't that the actual definition of someone who is insignificant or without significance, huh, Vivek? But what about the bounce or the votes coalescing around an alternative in places like New Hampshire? Well, we already have a race there that seems to be shaking out in New Hampshire all on its own. And if anything, it seems like the people of the state would, would not even notice if Vivek at 6% got, uh, wound up dropping out, which, by the way, is exactly what will probably happen. Summary, Iowa doesn't matter. Okay, I don't want to offend my subscriber in Iowa. The state matters, but the caucus doesn't. But maybe this is just a 2024 thing you might be saying. Two candidates who are both effectively incumbents having just run against each other three years ago. But when was the last time Iowa did matter? The last th three Republican caucus winners, are you ready? 2016, Ted Cruz won. 2012, Rick Santorum won. 2008, Mike Huckabee won. See what I'm saying? On the Democratic side, it looks like the Iowa caucus shot itself in the face and finally died in 2020. Do you even remember that Peter Buttigieg won? Maybe because you and I and the rest of the world didn't find out who actually won because of a comic collapse of voting technology, telephones, and common sense that happened kept us from learning about the results weeks later. How bad was it? Well, Pete Buttigieg got 26.2% of the vote, so he won. Bernie Sanders got 26.1% of the vote, and it wound up that Bernie got more delegates, 12 to Pete's 9. Follow me? Maybe that's a fitting way for the caucus to end with a certain amount of chaos, because that is, in a way, how it began. After the debacle of the 1972 election, when Democrats, still using the smoke-filled backroom method of choosing nominees, decided on Governor George McGovern of South Dakota. They decided to create the state primary system that we have today. 1968 really started the ball rolling on that. In 1976, a fellow named Tom Whitney, I didn't know this, I looked it up, the chairman of the Iowa Democratic Party, recognized that the benefit of Iowa going first would be profound. He correctly assumed that in the emerging TV age, politics would become the next big American sport. We all know the story that emerged. An unknown Georgia governor became an overnight frontrunner after he wins the caucus. Oh? In fact, only a fraction of Iowa's Democrats had turned out that night in 1976, and 77% of the total precincts failed to post any results at all. Worst yet, almost 40% of the caucus participants had voted for none of the above. Actually, it was uncommitted, but you get the idea. Sure, Carter had received the most support, but he was the tallest pygmy. His tally, however, was far from impressive. In fact, he'd only managed to secure a sliver of the state's 47 available delegates. As legend has it, the official delegate count Whitney was supposed to release to the media was uncommitted, 39, Jimmy Carter, 8, all others, 0. Instead, he decides to ignore the delegate selection rules and just treat it like a fancy straw poll. Carter, 27, Birch Bayh, the senator from Indiana, got 13%. Mo Udall dropped to fifth. Fred Harris, I think, came in sixth, which led to Harris coining the term winnowed in because he did better than people thought. But the bottom line is Carter got about 10,000 votes, fewer than I got when I was elected to one of 51 city council seats in 1991. 
But Iowa, after that bit of sneaky reporting about the results, made President Carter, Jimmy Carter, President Carter. Between then and the chaos of last year, I can't say that Iowa never did anything right or anything impartial or impactful. In 2004, Howard Dean, a populist from Vermont, who Bernie probably studied, fell like a rock in the last weeks before Iowa. You heard his famous screed, scream at the open of the show. In 2008, Iowa gave Obama a win and helped make him, the, make, help him make the case that white voters would vote for him. More likely, all it showed was that if your state shares a media market with Iowa, you're going to have some big advantages. Yeah, I'm still bitter about Iowa in 2008. But that last bit about white voters is probably the best reason to move on from Iowa as going first. It has so little in common with the nation as a whole. It's 90% white, 4% black, 7% Hispanic. The nation as a whole is about 75% white. I get it. I understand the benefit of having a small, relatively inexpensive state to begin the process. I see the benefit of not starting out in a big state that requires mostly a ton of money. You don't want to have the front runner always be able to win the state by dint of cash on television and not ever have to meet the real human voters of America. For similar reasons, you don't want to have just one single national primary that chooses all the delegates at the same time. It would give a bad candidate with a ton of money like, say, Mike Bloomberg, a big advantage, but also make it easier to hide any deficits that candidate might have until it was too late. So I get the need to have winnowing primaries, but Iowa... It's just the wrong state. New Hampshire has similar problems demographically. So the Democrats, actually it was Joe Biden who decided this, came up with the idea of beginning the process with a state that has a considerable black population, South Carolina, have them go first. Next would be a state, actually these are bunched together, a state with considerable Hispanic and union population, Nevada, a diverse Midwestern swing state, Michigan, and a New England stalwart, let's keep New Hampshire, and they bunched them together as kind of as early Super Tuesday. So maybe we'll talk about this more, if anything happens this cycle, about uh, that is supposed to be the Iowa caucus preview show. And if you want to get back to that, Trump will win. The Democrats aren't even pretending to care what Iowa thinks. And this is the last time I will ever say Vivek Vamaswamy. And we'll be right back with Ask Anthony Anything. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Today on our Talkback segment, we unoriginally call Ask Anthony Anything, we're going to revisit what started out on the air as an insult of me by another host and became a sort of meta conversation about the challenge of introducing inconvenient truths on polemic radio. If you already heard this on my Sunday show, you're welcome to skip ahead about 12 minutes to my brief epilogue. The guest that he has on is arguably one of the biggest guys in broadcast journalism of the course of the last, and I say journalism, he's an opinion guy, but of the last 20 years. And I have been on with Bill O'Reilly when he was on TV 10, 15, 20, 30 times. I don't know. I would go on because he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. We always had a good respectful relationship. But O'Reilly, almost as soon as he gets on the air, says this. 
I'm going to out Wiener now. Wiener used to use a clip that said every foreign national that comes to the United States has a right to claim asylum. That's not true. You have to go to a port of entry. The immigration law clearly states if you want asylum in the United States, you have to apply at a port of entry. You can't cross the Rio Grande River, stand in the desert, and scream, I want asylum. (laughs) Now, Wiener knows that. He knows it. But he also knows that most people listening don't. Correct. So that's O'Reilly. When you say someone knows something and said something wrong anyway, that's called a lie. So there it is. He calls me a liar about this thing about this, uh, about the right of asylees when they come here. And you know I've been saying this over and over again to anyone that'll listen a thousand times what the right of asylees are. But I'm like, okay, I got Sid there. Sid, you know, he's not, he doesn't, you know, you're not politically, you're not saying, but he, I don't know, I don't believe that, that he thinks that's the case. And so he chimes in by saying this. Yeah, but here's the thing. Newsday... Like, Wiener knows he comes on every Saturday. And he knows that what he says isn't true. Right. But he also knows that everybody uh, puts him on because they hate him, which is good. Hate listening is good. All right. So, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You're supposed to be defending me, and you say that people hate listen. Now, I actually don't know if that's a technical radio term. I'm going to Google it. I don't think that's right. 800-848-WABC. I think people really listen to me because they hate me. So anyway, I'm quickly getting distracted. I wanted to hear some pushback. And, but then finally, Sid, I think, starts to get to the place where he's going to start to defend me. And he says this. You know what they do now, Bill, which really, I know you know this, but it's, it's beautiful. Wiener, God bless him. Wiener actually says, the name of his show is something middle unplugged. He refuses to be called a liberal, blah, blah, blah. He's uh, in the middle. Do you notice that more and more liberals who are further to the left than Bernie Sanders delight in describing themselves as middle, independence, well, fascism? Uh, okay. Now, wait a minute now. That's in no way defending me. In a, Now you're taking a run. At, first of all, it's not the middle unplugged. That's the podcast. It's called the middle. You could have stopped right there. It makes your, your, your mind better. And... Now I'm getting worked up because now I've had O'Reilly call me a liar. I've had Sid say that people hate me. And now I've had Sid come back from that and say that I'm not the middle. And if it doesn't get any worse, we now have a left-handed compliment for the station using me as the alternative. WABC has vaulted into the top position because even if you don't, if you're a liberal or a conservative, whatever you may be, all right, the station, the radio station, is not um, in business to mislead you. Yes, now we're criticizing Weiner, um, and he did mislead on the on the um, migrant asylum situation, but it's not a pattern. It's not what the they're in WABC's in business to do. Correct. All right. So now he's saying, well, ABC doesn't generally do what Wiener does, dot, dot, dot. All right. Let me just say this. And Bill O'Reilly, if you're listening and you want to have this conversation in person, we can do it. Um, But let's just start at the very top. 
when you accuse someone of knowing something's wrong and saying it anyway, that's a lie. That's very, very different than making a mistake. Now, I didn't make a mistake, but apparently you would not have gone on the radio and said that unless you went and looked up what you were going to say and then said it anyway. And I'm going to read you USC Title Eight. Everyone who's listening, you can write this down. It takes five seconds to Google it. USC Title Eight, Section 1158, Asylum. And I'm going to read it verbatim. Authority to apply for asylum. One. Are you listening, Bill? Any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States whether or not at a designated port of arrival and including an alien who is brought to the United States after having been interdicted in international or United States waters, irrespective of such alien status, may apply for asylum in accordance with this section. Now, I want to make a distinction here for everyone. There are people in the world who do media, who know the truth, but say something else because they're performing a role. Bill O'Reilly is one of those people. He is performing a role. He is among the best in the business. His, he was so good at it that Stephen Colbert went out and made a show called The Colbert Report just, just copying this and making fun of it and having fun with it. And he's now one of the most famous people on television. People who are just... Pretending to be Bill O'Reilly are becoming famous. He's the best. But he knows how to type. He knows how to use Google. He's got a staff of people. He had to have checked this before he went on the air and said something wrong. And not only did he say something wrong, he accused me of lying about it. USC, the United States Code, Title Eight, Eleven Fifty Eight, Asylum. And so then it goes to something that Sid said. Why do they call themselves the middle? Why does Anthony call himself the middle? My friends, the facts are not left or right. The facts are the middle. They're nothing. They're facts. And if we're going to have a country that's going to argue about things, we should at least agree on the facts. Now, there's different stuff that goes on here at WABC. There's opinion. And John and I are going to do a lot of opinion later on. What we should do, what we shouldn't do. Is someone too old or are they not too old? Should we change the asylum law? Should we not change the asylum laws? Opinion. That's not someone lying. That's someone who believes something and they say it. But when Bill O'Reilly comes on the air and says to you, my listener, says to you that Anthony Weiner knows that you have to come to a port of entry, when no, the opposite. Here's why I'm on the airwaves at WABC. Sure, I'm doing opinion, plenty of it. Sure, I'm trying to be an entertainer. I'm not very good at that part yet. But the primary reason I am on the air is to give you information. Just like I did in the earlier segment about January 6th, information. When I explain that the asylum laws do not require you coming to a port of entry, that you can be standing in the middle of the desert, that you can be on a boat drifting in here from Cuba, that you can be anywhere in the United States, and if you say to an officer, a border officer, I request asylum, at that moment, you become someone who is in this country lawfully. Now, I said it the other day to Dominic, and Dominic, he's in a different camp. He just didn't know that. 
And there are a lot of people in our audience who don't know that because they've been told illegals, 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 illegals. How do you fix a problem if you don't even know what the problem is? Our problem is with the asylum laws. But they're not the problem that Bill O'Reilly said that Anthony Weiner is lying to you. Anthony Weiner is not lying to you. And he's exactly right about the last thing he said. At WABC, we're going to have people that are going to have different opinions on lots of different opinions on things. And there are some people, Mark Levin's great at it, Sid is great at it, who combine the theatrical, the performance with their opinions. I do something a little bit different. I use my experience as having been a member of the United States Congress who sat on the committee that made these laws so I know these laws. And I try to bring information that makes people say, huh, I hadn't heard that before. In fact, the other night I was on the overnight with Dominic and a caller called in and says, oh, yeah, if that's true, how come I haven't heard a Democrat say it? Well, are you really listening? You're not you're not going to get it from anyone else but me here. But think about this for a moment. If you believe that the laws require you to think that the people that are in the, 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 the in Floyd Bennett field are not here lawfully. It completely changes the way you view this problem. So Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to assume that maybe you didn't look it up, because even though it's easy to do, all you have to do is literally write in, are asylees here lawfully? And when you called me a liar, you hadn't taken the effort to pick up the, to pick, pick what I did. U.S. Code, Title Eight. Section 1158, period, asylum. Authority to apply for asylum. It's the first, it's the second sentence. Whether or not a designated port of arrival. Now, last week when I was on with John, and maybe we'll talk about it again, I suggested that the problem is that Republicans want to have this issue. They don't want to solve it. They want to keep saying illegal, illegal, illegal. And this week when the Republicans visited the border and had a big press conference, a guy named Troy Nell, so I couldn't pick it out of a lineup, a, Repu- a Texas Republican, when asked why they won't do anything to try to help solve this problem, he says, let me tell you, this is him talking, I am not willing to do too damn much right now to help a Democrat and to help Joe Biden's approval rating. I will not help the Democrats try to improve this man's dismal approval rating. The quiet part out loud. So getting back to Bill O'Reilly and Sid, yeah, here's why I call myself the middle. Because here, you're going to have someone read you the actual law. Here, you're going to have someone read to you the facts from the, from the, from the, the January 6th committee here. Not, not the opinions. I'll do opinions too, and you want to have opinions? You'll probably find that many of mine are, are not that dissimilar to many people in this audience. But the thing that Bill O'Reilly said that was correct was that here at WABC, we make it a point not to mislead people. If we get it wrong, it's because someone got something wrong or they didn't look it up. The other day when I was on with Dominic, he just didn't know it. So I told him, showed him the law. And now Bill O'Reilly knows better. Let's see if I get my apology. So there you go. A brief afternote. No, I haven't gotten an apology, but on Monday... Bill O'Reilly was on another program and my name came up. He called me a name, but notably did not repeat his claim 
about asylum seekers. Not an apology, but hey, I'll take it. And I do want to thank you for joining us on The Middle Unplugged. We'll be back again next week with another episode falling in the middle of the week. I want to thank Eric and Ricky and the gang here for helping make this uh, episode uh, possible. And if you liked anything you heard, feel free to share it. That's the way we get the word out about the podcast. And feel free also to download and subscribe The Middle, which is uh, uh, the show that I do on Saturday. And as a special thing that we've started to do the last couple of weeks, the left versus right that I do with Curtis Sliwa, I've been doing in debate format with John Katsimatidis, the owner operator of 77WABC and Red Apple Media. So it might be worth going and even downloading those. It turned out to be um, shows that got a lot of attention and took on a little bit of a different tone than I usually have with, with Curtis. One way or the other, I really do appreciate all your support. And this marks the end of The Middle Unplugged.